to another episode of It's the Flat Out Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Bravo Cologne. I hope and I pray that everybody that's listening is doing well and that you've all had a great week full of blessings and shalom. It's been a really interesting week for us here at It's the Flat Out Truth. Let me start off by thanking everyone who is supporting our podcast as we could never do any of this alone. So please, please, please help us out by continuing to pass the link along to anybody that you feel could benefit from this podcast on whichever platform that you're listening to us on. A very, very special shout out to one of our listeners who goes by RM in North Carolina, who wrote to us, Shalom Alechem Ak. Love the last message on forgiveness. May the King continue to give you wisdom. Hashem is with you. Yeshua HaMashiach bless you. Shalom. This, this is an awesome blessing. Just to know that someone is being touched by this podcast. Thank you, RM from North Carolina, for being part of the family. You too can contact us at it's the flat out truth at gmail.com with suggestions and or comments if you have any and we will respond as time allows since the last podcast the week has been rather interesting first off we took a flight to florida to record our first of many road trips And many events have happened and have arisen to challenge our faith, to destroy our hope and make it seem like there's no solution in sight. I remember when I would be listening to the radio back in the day and all of a sudden you would hear that buzzing alarm followed by, this is a test. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency, well, that's what it reminded me of this week. And it all started off with a dream. A dream that I had that I could only remember part of, but it was that part that really impacted me the most. And it seemed that it would play out during the course of the week. The part of the dream that I was able to remember was that I found myself in what seemed to be like a construction trailer, you know, like the ones that they use for an on-site office. 
And then all of a sudden, some strong winds began to blow through and the people and objects that were outside of the office were being blown around violently. But those of us who were inside were safe. And the weird thing was that it seemed like it was taking place in Alaska for some reason or another. I, I don't know. But after the windstorm, the trailer turned into a train and began moving away. Now, I know it sounds like a result from eating spicy tacos before bedtime. <laughs> but really, after waking up, I was reminded about the time that the disciples and Yeshua were on the lake and a storm just came brewing in and the boat was being tossed about in the passage of um, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. Okay, we're going to read these few verses. He boarded the boat and his Talmudim, his disciples, followed. Then without a warning, a furious storm arose on the lake so that the waves were sweeping over the boat, but Yeshua was sleeping. So they roused him saying, Sir, help, we're about to die. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? So little trust you have. And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and there was a dead calm. And the men were astounded, and they asked each other, What kind of a man is this? that even the winds and sea obey him. You know, this is an amazing passage from the Brit Hadashah, the, the New Covenant, or the New Testament as many know it. It is a passage that we can all relate to. How? Well, we claim to be walking with Messiah, proclaiming salvation, and we've dedicated our lives to living according to his word and sharing with others the good news that they also can walk with Messiah Yeshua. And everything seems cool, calm, and collected. And then the dark clouds, they start rolling in. The winds, they start picking up. And the rain comes down, slapping you in the face. And you begin to look for something to hold on to as you move to seek shelter from the storm. Many times we forget who is in charge and we attempt to find a solution on our own by our own strength. Just, just like the disciples were afraid, we begin to fear and lose sight of who really is in charge. When we come to Messiah, from wherever he has brought us out of, we seem like we're ready to face the oncoming trials and tribulations. We're really gung-ho. But then, when they hit, many crumble and cry out, Help me! I'm going to die! Or, I can't take this! Does this sound familiar? Well, it does to me. I'll tell you why. Because there's times I found myself in the past saying these very things. And I'd proclaim my new Messiah, but when the time came, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, where was my faith? So I had to take a hard, long look at this passage and read the word concerning this. 
and I had to study it, and I had to reread it, you know, and and that's when Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27 clarified a lot. It became a lot clearer to me, because now I saw that the disciples were no different than I am. They became afraid also, and they lost sight of who they were walking with. And they cried out when they saw no solution in sight to the situation that surrounded them. And then, when they woke the master, what were his words? Why are you afraid? So little trust that you have. At that point, I was able to see that the faith that I claimed to have in him wasn't very much at all. Which is why I became afraid in the first place which is also why they became afraid. What is faith? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Webster Dictionary defines faith as a noun. You know I always go back and forth. I go back and forth. I go, I go to the Strong's, to the BDB, and the Thayer. And then I also go to the Webster to get a broader look of the definition of, of whatever word I'm looking up. And there's a few definitions that Webster has. You know, like, for instance, uh, allegiance to duty or to a person. Um, sincerity of intentions. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. A firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Now, this one, which is definition 2B, subsection 1, it says, firm belief in something for which there is no proof. That one there, that one hits Hebrews 11.1 1, right on the head. But the other one, uh, belief and trust in loyalty to God also stands out. So I guess with these definitions that we just finished reading, we can say that faith is firmly believing in something for which there is no proof while trusting in and being loyal to God. So when we doubt, due to fear, are we being loyal to God? Can we say that we walk with God and still fear for our lives? Like the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. Psalms 23, verse 4. So what can we say? If we doubt, are we being loyal to God? If we doubt, we become like the waves of the sea being tossed around to and fro. When we stand in faith, we become like the lighthouse, standing firm as the violent waves come crashing against it as it remains standing unaffected and intact. And fear is something that takes hold of everyone at one time or another. No matter what point in our lives, it happens. Fear is that one thing that arises from an insecurity that lies deep within 
whether it's a fear of drowning or dying or even speaking publicly, which are the more common types of fear. Right? So the, the Bible defines fear a certain way. Well, actually, the Thayer uh, Dictionary with the Strong's number G1169 for the words fearful or afraid in some translations. And it defines it as timid. So being timid is being afraid. And being afraid is a hindrance to the blessing that awaits us on the other side of the storm. This is what happened to the disciples. This is why Yeshua said what he said. So timidity is not being shy. It's the act of not being able to confront the situation because of the uncertainty of the results. That's why they said, Sir, help us. We're going to die. They couldn't see the outcome because they failed to focus on the one they walked with, the one that was among them, the one who slept calmly and securely. The storm will keep raging to attempt to distract you and to keep you from focusing on what is at stake and what really matters. But we must brave the storm at all costs because your very own soul is at stake. And the end result depends on your faith, on your trust in the one you walk with, the one inside of you. Sometimes, sometimes the storm comes in the form of a family argument, or someone that's close to you antagonizing you to become angry and forget where your foundation stands. And that's when you slip and fall. Yeah. We've, we all have a chance to Teshuvah. But remember the parable of the return of the unclean spirits in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. It says... Now, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places looking for rest and doesn't find it. And then it says, I'll go back home where I came from. And when it comes, it finds the house vacant, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And that man's last condition becomes worse than the first. So also will it be for this evil generation. So then we can see that according to this parable, Yeshua states that this person's end is worse than when he first started. Remember, Yeshua, he is a righteous judge executing righteous and impartial judgment. So we need to keep that in mind. And we need to keep in mind the words that were spoken by Messiah when he was speaking to the Talmudin about the signs of the end of the age towards the end of the passage in Matthew 24, 13, where he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that can only mean that those who do not make it to the end, those who do not endure, who do not persevere to the end, they won't be saved. Those who don't finish the race, they won't be saved. 
that's a scary thought. God is not man that he should lie. Let's look at it this way. What employer gives an undeserving employee a raise or a promotion? From what I understand, none. Then why is it that if God asks us to do something and we disobey him, why should he find it in his mercy to reward us with good gifts after we have been judged? He's already shown us mercy by giving us enough time to repent and to return before we die. You know, the storm in our lives, it's there to remind us that he is displaying his mercy and his grace by reminding us that he is calling us to repent. He is trying to get our attention. But there are some storms that are brought on by our sins. Yes, there are transgressions that if left unconfessed and undealt with will eat away at our conscience until we bring them to the feet of Messiah and lay them down before him. So, getting back to Matthew chapter 8, verses 24 to 27. Let's read it again. Suddenly, a great storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being covered by the waves, but Yeshua kept on sleeping. So they came and woke him up, saying, Master, save us! We're perishing! He said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became totally calm. The men were amazed, saying, What kind of person is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Well, you know, after they wake Messiah up from his sleep, you know, he had got up. And I could imagine him getting upset, not because they woke him up, but because of their lack of trust and loyalty. In other words, their lack of faith and their fear. When he rebuked the winds and the sea, they were so astonished because they have never seen anything like this before. Could you just imagine you're in a boat, it's dark, and a storm begins to blow in. The boat is being rocked from side to side and getting hammered by the waves. And you think, you're to, you think to yourself, oh my gosh, oh, this is it. And Messiah is fast asleep, and he's not phased by anything that's happening. And here you are, a disciple but you fail to trust in the one who called you. And after you wake him up, he hits you with the truth and rebukes the winds and the sea. And in that very moment, everything just comes to a standstill. What's going through your mind at this time? Did you just witness what just happened? Or is it a figment of your imagination? I would have been astonished just as they were. I mean... When they ask themselves, what kind of a person is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Right then, I believe they realized that they weren't in the presence of just any rabbi or just any old man. But we, we on the other hand, we have a great advantage over them. We have the complete word of God. We can reference 
the word of God at any given time and as many times as we wish to, especially when the storm comes rolling in. You know, as a child, I remember being in Puerto Rico and I'd be able to see the storm cloud carrying rain from afar and it would give me enough time, so I thought, sometimes anyway, to run to shelter before it actually hit. Now, with that advantage, we can actually prepare for the storms that appear in our lives. Have you ever had a storm roll up unexpectedly and found yourself unprepared? Let me ask you, if you hear the weather report and it calls for rain or snow, depending on where you, you live, do you leave your home without an umbrella or without your coat, your hat, gloves, and your scarf? I would think not. I, I hope not. But the Bible warns us to get ready for the coming storm. It says that this storm will be unlike any other storm. It's giving you a chance to get ready. But there are many that disregard the warning, just like they did in the days of Noah, when Elohim commanded Noah to build the ark. In Genesis 6.17, Now I am about to bring the flood water upon the land to destroy all flesh in which is the spirit of life from under the sky. Everything that is on the land will perish. Just as in Genesis, before the end of the world, before it was flooded, we were constantly being warned by our Heavenly Father of the approaching destruction. But just like Israel in the wilderness, we're so stiff-necked. Do we listen? Are we really paying attention? Or are we just busy being distracted by our cell phones, our jobs, and our relationships? Are we? Are, are we really that unfocused that we fail to see the warning signs? Can it be that the thought process that is taking place here is, well, the less we know, the better off we are. Is there an excuse for not knowing or not wanting to know? You know, we have to be honest with ourselves because at the end of time, each one of us is going to be standing in front of God's throne. And we are all going to have to give an account for everything that we did and that we didn't do in our physical bodies. So then, if we're constantly being warned, then why aren't we listening? Why aren't we seeing the warning signs? After all, they're spelled out for us in the Bible for the entire world to see. Will we be able to escape such a judgment? There's no excuse for ignorance. And there's definitely no excuse for not knowing. You know, God doesn't want any of us to perish, as we can see in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is being patient toward you not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 
when we find ourselves in the storm, it is then that that is an opportunity to be able to direct our trust, our faith, and our loyalty to Hashem and Mashiach, knowing full well that He has our best interests in mind and will not, I repeat, He will not let any harm befall us. And then, and only then, will we come to know the shalom that surpasses all human understanding. The same shalom that Yeshua had while resting in the boat. The disciples couldn't understand how Yeshua was so undisturbed by the storm that he was able to sleep in the midst of it. The storm in our life, it's there so we can call out to God in trust and in faith that he and only he can bring the calm, the peace, not the way the world gives peace, like it says in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We've been talking a lot about the storm, as we read in Matthew chapter 8, verse 24. But what word was used to describe the word storm or furious storm in the Greek? For this, we turn to the Thayer. And it's uh, uh, Strong's number G4578. And Thayer defines it as a shaking, a commotion. Two, a tempest. Three, an earthquake. And like I said before, I always compare definitions just so I can get a broader visual of what the word means or what they're trying to portray. So I looked up storm in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it defines it as a noun. Okay, And there's a few definitions. I'm not going to read them all because it's just too much, but I'm going to read the ones that really stand out, okay? And the first one is a disturbance of the atmosphere marked by wind and usually by rain, snow, hail, sleet, or thunder and lightning. A heavy fall of rain, snow, or hail. Wind having a speed of 64 to 72 miles per hour. That's a lot. That's... Okay, I mean, it's like maybe a Category 1 hurricane, but then you got to remember that they didn't have these great big fishing boats. They had these little boats made out of wood. Okay. So, according to these definitions, we can see that this wasn't just any old storm, as we read, or we're led to believe. This was a very scary storm. It's no wonder they feared for their lives. Thayer describes it as a tempest. What's a tempest? A tempest is a violent windstorm, especially one with rain, hail, or snow. Uh, a violent commotion or disturbance or a tumult, kind of like an earthquake with the combination of the gale force winds with the heavy rain along with five or six foot waves 
Now, mind you, this is pure speculation, but from what we read, we we can envision this, you know. And this is probably what they've experienced, you know. You, You understand what I'm saying. This is why it's very, very important to research the truth for yourself. No one, no one should come up to you and be able to sell you a lie. You know, we've all been lied to for a very, very long time. But we have to be like the Bereans. You know, we have to be the way they were, the way they sought out the truth diligently, the way they read the scriptures and tried to prove everything according to the scriptures. We have, we have to weather the storms in our lives because one comes after the other and at times it seems like it's nonstop like it was this past week. Sometimes they're relentless, pounding us down, trying to distract us, to get us to lose focus. But we must remain loyal. We must remain trusting and continue to have faith in our King, not wavering like the sea, but steadfast like the lighthouse, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will come out of this without a scratch. That is the God that we serve. The one who calms the raging storm. He is the one who walks upon the sea. And we have nothing to fear ever again. As long as we are walking with the master. Trusting in him. I cannot reiterate this enough. We must be found having trust. Faith and loyalty because without it we cannot please him Hebrews 11.6 so what storm or storms do you face or are you facing in your life right now I know sometimes it seems hopeless and gloomy just remember keep your eyes on Yeshua and keep your focus on him he is the master who calls you out of the storm. He is the one who walks on the water, stretching forth his hand to you. He is the one who rebukes the storm and brings the calm in our lives. It's up to us to respond, to trust in him, in faith that he will save us from our storm. This is not such an easy task for a lot of people to completely let go and release all of your inhibitions to trust the master whom you haven't seen. Though you know he exists because you believe it. Yeshua told Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe in John twenty twenty nine. Faith, trust, and loyalty will help us in the storm. And then the sun will come out. The birds will be praising the Most High. Blessed be he. And then you will see that it really wasn't all that bad. You know, during the research process, many storms have arisen to try and deter the compiling of this podcast. Really, since the very beginning, we have been confronted with many storms and opposition. But through prayer and seeking God's will, 
we were able to record our very first podcast. And with every week, Hashem has given us the topics to elaborate on, to whom all honor, glory, and praise be. He is the one who directs our path. He is the one who shines the light for us to see. If we ask the Father for anything that accords to His will, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, He will give it to us. So, our goal, my brothers and sisters, is to reach the finish line, to run the good race, as Paul would state. We must get there by persevering. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot quit. Remember the old saying, quitters never win, and winners never quit. Well, the same can be said here in our walk with Messiah. We want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. To hear those words will be the evidence that we have made it. And then there will no longer be any more storms to affect us anymore. Baruch Hashem. Hallelujah. So the storm no longer seems like a threat to our lives when we look at it from this perspective. Just like Goliath didn't seem like a threat to young David or the lions to Daniel. Focus on Yeshua. Focus on the promises of the Father. Focus on the prize at the end of the race. And focus on eternity with the Elohim of Elohims. With the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do not let your faith waver like the sea. Which is tossed to and fro and comes crashing down violently. Let us pray for wisdom on how to handle the storm in our lives. So that at the end we may hear those sweet words spoken by our Lord. Well done. My friends, it is a tremendous blessing being able to share with you. I want to thank you on behalf of It's the Flat Out Truth Podcast for your continued support. But we cannot, I repeat, we cannot do this alone. I thank God for each and every one of you. For all that you do, thank you. Thank you to RM of South Carolina, to MH of Virginia, and to JB of Dumont, New Jersey and MS of New Jersey. These are just some of our listeners who have sent in their comments of our podcast. And you too can be mentioned on our podcast. Just send us an email or a message at it's the flat out truth at gmail.com and let us know that you're listening on what platform you're listening on. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please help us keep this going. Please share our link with your friends and your family while we continue seeking out the flat-out truth. Thank you once again for joining us. May you all walk in the blessings of the Most High, having all your needs met according to His riches and glory, lacking nothing, and run the good race, crossing the finish line, so that you may be able to receive the crown of victory in Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior. Until next week, may Hashem bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Hashem lift up his face to you and give you his peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of all of life's storms. Amen and amen. Shalom.